Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 227, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We'll see if we've got some entertainment for you, maybe some dazzlings. We'll see what, how, it, how it plays out here on this, this version. You, you just never know. There's no way to know until it happens. We do have a little Cowboys for you. The Rangers season is underway. The Masters, maybe not as exciting as some were hoping it would be. But I will tell you this, this happened to a good friend of mine was involved in a very serious car accident this weekend. And it's like I tell you, that happened to me, man, coming up nine months ago. You just, you don't plan for it. You don't know what's going to happen. The next thing you know, you're sending your friends and your family photos and your friends are going, oh my God, is everybody okay? What happened? And it's, it's scary. But w- once you process that part of it, and hopefully everybody is okay, I would encourage you to give the lawyers, the green team, the staff at Greening Law, Robert Greening, give them a call because I'm going to tell you, a lot of things happen when you get in car accidents and lawyers need to get involved. Let Robert Greening and the green team be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Well, the main thing, man, is that they can answer questions that that you don't even know are supposed to be asked, that they can play defense for you, that they can be aggressive for you. Um, And it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone, give them a call and say, hey, here's my set of circumstances. What do you think? And uh, if they take you on as a client, it'll be a great day for you. They don't get paid unless you get paid, which means they are forever grinding for you. And the consultation is absolutely free. So give them a call. I'm telling you, car accidents, we've all been in one at some point in our lives. You never know when they're going to happen. But when they do, make sure you've got this number. 972-934-8900. 934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Well, we continue to vault forward towards the NFL draft coming up towards the end of the month. But it's interesting because you had you had texted me some information about Cowboys free agent history. And we've talked about this before, I think. The frustration that for whatever reason, when the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys are like the person who they go out with this girl, they invest a lot into her, they think everything's going to be great, and, and it's okay, but it never turns into what they thought it would be. So like, you know what? I'm never going to be with a girl ever again. 
That's a bad approach to take. But I'm telling you, bro, I think that's what they really did. Like, for real. Uh, and here's what I mean, man. We all know that the last time they spent big money on free agency was um, Brandon Carr back in 2012. Right. So I was curious. You know, Todd Archer mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I thought, you know, I'm going to look up some stuff. Dude, it's shocking when you look at it. It and is. So, uh, I, oh, so you took a you took a glance too. Well, I, I, when you texted me, you know, I kind of looked at it, and I think we're all kind of well aware of that. But until you start kind of looking through it, and you kind of see how the Cowboys have chosen, and I, my thing is, I almost kind of understand it in the the immediate future after the Brandon Carr, like for the next couple of right. years, like well, we we spent a couple of like a ton of money on Brandon Carr, so let's see how that plays out. Right. And apparently it didn't live up to what they thought they were getting when they paid him that five-year, $50 million contract. What's interesting is that they've never tried really since then. Dude, it's shocking. I'm going to run this past you. Who are the three free agents they've spent the most money on since Brandon Carr in terms of contract value? In terms of contract value, I would yeah. say um, Gerald McCoy. Correct. Greg Hardy. Correct. And now get the third one. Impress me. <laughs> oh man, the third one. I, I I couldn't tell you who is it. Cedric Thornton, defensive tackle. <laughs> okay. Four years, eighteen million. Wow. And twenty-two. What, see he that? played one year in Dallas, man. Twenty-two tackles, one and a half sacks. He was out of the league two years later. And that's just. I mean, that's a pittance. It, that is Gerald nothing. McCoy, three years, eighteen million. Ruptured his quad in training camp. Never played it down for the Cowboys. And then Greg Hardy, one year, thirteen million, but he only made about two because one point three was a workout bonus, seven hundred fifty was a salary, and he didn't get big money uh, unless he uh, got eight sacks and he finished with six. And the thing of it is, man, when you look at it, I can understand you, you feel like you didn't get the value. And then you can we could all point to that and go, well, look at the guys that they spent a ton of money on, even those guys. But to me, like they're not spending a ton of money. Three years for $18 million for a guy who was at the point of his career that Gerald McCoy was at. That's not a lot of money. Cedric Thornton, I mean, four years for $18 million. That, that, that's not ridiculous amounts of money. And the reality of it is, you see these different free agents that get signed across the league. And yeah, there's stories just like what we told with the Cowboys where signed a free agent, tore his quad, wasn't going to do anything. Signed a free agent, played for us for a year, and then was out of the league. There's also a lot of stories of signed a free agent and he was the missing piece that led us on a playoff run. Dude, it's about, it's about fortifying your roster and trying to get the most talent on the roster. And yeah, you can do that through draft and development. But here's what's interesting. Um, if, if you're going to have this real conversation. Okay, so they missed on Cedric Thornton. He was a bad scheme fit. Some of that one-gap, two-gap stuff um, is a bad scheme fit. You know, Gerald McCoy, okay, he got hurt. Even though they knew there was a chance he's going to get hurt because they put it in his contract. If you rupture a quad, you don't get paid, you know, any extra money from us. When they miss on their own free agents, they don't say, well, we're not resigning any of our own free agents ever again. Right. They re-up at the next opportunity to get one. So just because Zeke didn't do what you thought he was going to do, they didn't go, well, let's not give Amari Cooper any money. And just because Amari Cooper didn't do what he did, he what you thought he was going to do when he re-upped, you didn't go, mm -hmm. well, let's 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 not give Michael Gallup any money. No, they redo it with their own guys. 
I don't know why they don't say, okay, fine. For the right fit, we'll invest in, uh, in, in big-time free agency if we think there's a really good player who can put us over the top. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, look no further than Leighton Vander Esch. Now, they didn't break the bank for him, but he was their, their own free agent, a guy who they didn't want to bring back on a fifth-year option. But they're like, okay, well, for that money, yeah, we'll bring you back. If that had been some other team's free agent, they probably wouldn't have touched him. But that's what's so interesting about this to me. And you, you look at some of the guys, like look at 2021, for instance, some of the free agents that were signed. One was Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson was a pass rushing free agent for the New Orleans Saints who was coming off a year in 2020 in which he had 13 and a half sacks in 15 games. He signed a big free agent deal with Cincinnati and all he did for Cincinnati and granted it's only one year that he's been with Cincinnati. He went out and had 14 sacks for Cincinnati and made the Pro Bowl. You can look at Matt Judon for the the New England Patriots, who had a phenomenal year coming in as a free agent. Cordell Patterson, who was signed as a free agent and was used by the Atlanta Falcons and figured out, okay, we can use this dude in a variety of different ways and almost turn him into, in a sense, like a Debo Samuel-type weapon. The reality of it is, it's almost as if the Cowboys try and tell us that, well, you never know what you're getting, and to, there is some truth to that. But when you look around the league, there are other teams that are utilizing free agency for holes that they have in their roster, and it does work. Well, that's what it's for. It's to supplement your roster. Nobody ever said this, nobody ever said you're supposed to build your team around free agency. Right. It's supposed to supplement your roster. And if you're going to be a contender and you're going to go for it, especially while you've got this window open of, of elite talent that you think you can really compete for a championship with, that's the time to go spend some money in free agency. That's the time to be bold. That's enough. That's that's the time to uh, to be aggressive. It's not the time to be more passive than ever. Yeah, and that's I think where the frustration comes into it when you see some of these other teams that are being bold, or you see some of the moves that have been made out there. You know, e even a guy like I was just looking at this because I was trying to think of some of those names that might have been out there a year ago. Like the Cowboys were going to spend a ton of money on Randy Gregory, probably honestly overpay Randy Gregory. We all know the situation that happened with there, but instead of taking that money and pursuing a Zadarius Smith, I won't even throw out a Bobby Wagner because of his age, but a Zadarius Smith, who is the right age, who has had production in his career, instead of pursuing a guy like that, they go, oh, well, we're not going to go ahead and invest that money that we were going to use on one guy anyway. We're going to go get three guys and hope that they can add up for the impact of a one guy. Well, I already mentioned Trey Hendrickson, how about Yannick Ngakwe, who a year ago left, I, I want to say he was a free agent out of Baltimore. He had eight sacks in 2020, hits free agency. The Raiders sign him. He goes out for the Raiders and has 10 sacks. You know, again, the possibility of finding guys that are out there, you know, a guy that's still in his 20s, a guy that is probably still in the prime of his career where you could make an educated investment. Well, I think that's what we're talking about. Nobody's saying you got to go spend you know, break the bank on a guy, although you could if it was the right guy. But you have to get some big money ticket items to go with what you've got to take yourself over the top, man. And that's what that's what teams who are winning championships are capable are willing to do. Not capable, but that's what they're willing to do. And we just haven't seen Dallas willing to do that. I mean, I think I did the math. I think they've had thirty seven free agents in the last ten years. Dude, most of these cats are one or two year deals, which is which tells you all you need to know about free agency. Yeah, and it it's extraordinarily frustrating when you look at it and you see it. 
I get it, especially now. I mean, I, I don't know that there's going to be anybody that's out there at this point. You know, maybe, and we've talked about this dude before, maybe a Jadeveon Clowney who is still out there that, to me, if you've got Tank on one side and you're looking for a dude who might be able to replicate some of the things you were getting from Randy Gregory, who's similar in age, he just turned 29 years old, you can do worse than Clowney. Now, maybe they've contacted him and Clowney's looking for more money coming off of a nine-sack season, but at least you're talking about... A, Clowney is a guy in his career that has three seasons of nine-plus sacks and three Pro Bowl appearances. If you're going to spend Randy Gregory money on somebody, and it's not Randy Gregory, Clowney's a dude that would have made a ton of sense to me. Dude, that's that's the kind of guy we're talking about. Now, everybody knows he's on his... Like what is it? The fourth team in four years, or five and five? Yeah, it'd be a fifth because uh, he went Houston, Seattle, Tennessee, Cleveland the last four years. All right, but he's been productive at those stops. You know, some cats are just like that, man. You can't, you know, they're good players who see themselves as great players, which means they want great money when really all they can get is good money, uh, because his money's gone down each of the last three years, I believe. Uh, but he's still a guy who you can probably mark down. For a seven to nine sacks and on a team that's going to struggle to get sacks, I don't know that you can just turn your nose up there and say, hey, uh, we can be all that picky. Well, and you're also talking about a guy who in Cleveland last year, bouncing back from his year in Seattle, I believe it was, where he didn't really do much. He finishes with nine sack in his age 28 season. Well, you're like, wow, man. Okay. Well, guess who's on the other side of that defensive line in Cleveland? Miles Garrett who finished with 16 sacks. Everybody's focusing on him. And if we have that belief that Tank Lawrence is a player that defenses look to try and slow down off the defensive line, then perhaps you have a situation here in Dallas that would lead to some success for Jadavion Clowney, perhaps with only single teams, not being double teamed, not having to be the focus where defenses are trying to take him away. No, I mean, it makes sense to me. Uh, now, and there's a reason why he's been on five teams in five years. That's True. up to the Cowboys to figure out and figure out how much of that is, uh, you know, personality, how much of that is scheme, how much of that is whatever it is. Uh, but, again, we're talking about a league where, you know, 50% of your roster damn near every year turns over. So change is, is normal. It's not abnormal the way it used to be. And uh, he's a guy who could help you. I don't know how much he could help you, but I figure, like, he could, he could help you enough to give him a real look-see. Well, you would think so. And, it, again, the, the whole point goes back to it's okay to spend a little bit of money. And that's like you were talking about. It's weird how they will spend money on their own free agents. And when it doesn't work out at, at times, like gobs of money on their own free agents, they have no problem doing that. They have no problem with what they did with Amari Cooper, where they're going to eat $6 million in dead cap. But for whatever reason, they have a problem investing any real money if it's not somebody that was previously at some point a Dallas Cowboy. And you sent over in that text that you were talking about earlier, you, you mentioned some of these names. And the reality of it is, I mean, think about this, and part of it's because of the level of free agent that they're signing. The best free agents they've had in the last 10 years, Greg Hardy, Cedric Thornton, Randall Cobb, Greg Zerline, and Darren McFadden. Bro. That's, a, that's not exactly a who's who of free agency. No. <laughs> no, I mean, that is dollar bin scraping at its finest and uh, there's no shame about it from from them it's just when you look at it in the totality you're like wow these are really the best f talented free agents that they've signed just a couple years dude they signed five guys you wouldn't even know them if i told you who they were <laughs> it feels like that happens more often than not 
I mean, that, that, it, it happens probably way too much. I mean, even, even a guy like Darren McFadden, he was a great free agent signing because he ended up getting a lot of usage and had a 1,000-yard season. But it's not like he was anything special by any stretch of the imagination. But what you got out of him for the value of what you invested in him is kind of where it worked out for them really well. No, it wasn't. He, and he was a fine pickup uh, for what they needed and what he did and what he provided and all of that. Um, so yeah, there's no knock on him. It's just that, bro, it's, you know, they, they have taken this whole anonymous, uh, free agent route to, to heart. I mean, they sign guys and you just go, really? Yeah. I mean, when in the time you go, oh, okay, they're, they're filling holes and they're doing this or that. But when three or four years go by and you look at the list, you're like, what the hell is going on with that? It's all about the draft and their own free agents, and if they don't hit in that, then they've got a serious problem. Dude, I was looking up that list because I just wanted to run past uh, one of those lists of names. I was seeing if I could find it right quick. Because uh, I was looking at it, and I was like, even I barely recognize these guys. Um, I think it was the, the 2018 list. No, 2017. Byron Bell, do you know what position he played? <laughs> no, because that's not Blake Bell. I don't. I don't. I okay. don't remember a Byron Bell. Tackle Byron Bell started at right tackle. Okay. Uh, Robert Blanton, remember what position he played? Uh, Robert Blanton actually was he defensive line? Safety. Safety. Okay. Nolan Carroll, you remember what position he played? Cornerback. Yes. Demontre Moore. Demontre Moore, defensive line. Yes. Steven Paella. Offensive tackle. He was the dude at Oregon State, I think, coming out of college that could bench press a ton. Uh, no, he was a defensive tackle. Thing oh, my God. Much. Okay, well, he's still that same guy. Um, yeah, so that's it, man. Those were the guys that year. <laughs> Followed up in 2018 by Deontay Thompson, the Florida wide receiver. Guard Marcus Martin, tackle Cam Fleming, and defensive end Coney Ely. God, that's amazing, dude. That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I mean, nothing. I don't want to call those cats spares, but spares. Oh, I forgot about Coney Ely. How about 2020? Blake Bell, your third tight end. Hell yeah, man. The Bill Maurice Hoser. Kennedy. Ha-ha Clinton Dix, who couldn't make it out of training camp. Gerald McCoy, who did, couldn't make it out of training camp. And Greg Zerline. All right, so Greg Zerline. Greg the leg. We were all excited about him. But to your yeah. point, trash. Thank you. I mean, until last year when they actually, and even last year, honestly, I don't think that any of us, and that's the thing is whenever they do bring in these bargain basement free agents is you're sitting there going, well, if Keon O'Neal can revert to form before his injury, if a dude named Jaron Curse, who nobody had heard of until last year fits this defense, you know, there's just so many of these ifs. Well, I think it's this deal, bro. I mean, they signed a bunch of dudes last year, but again... <laughs> There ain't nobody, only, only the realest of the real football fans could get excited about him, man. Terrell Basham. I mean, was he somebody that... that nobody knew who that uh, was. None. Nobody knew. You know, DeMonte KZ, yeah, he used to be good, but he was coming off, a, off an injury. You know, Keanu Neal, he was a big name, but he's playing at linebacker, not safety is how you really... I mean, it's just, you know, again, man, he's like a little bit of sizzle. Like a little bit of something to get excited for, and and in free agency, your Dallas Cowboys give you none of that. 
No, they do not, unfortunately. And, and I don't know that it's going to change anytime soon. They seem more locked into it now more than ever. No, no, I don't think there's any doubt about that, bro. I was, I mean, I was going all the way back. I mean, they just haven't done a lot. They've all been about their own dudes. Yeah, I mean, it, there's two things with the Cowboys that it feels like we have come to understand very well, and that is they are not going to mess around with anybody else's free agents, and they do not value the safety position at all. Nope. And that's how come anytime you see those names, well, Tyron Matthews is a free agent. It's like, cool, so what? You've heard of him, and the fact you've heard of him means the Cowboys will not sign him. I mean, that's just how it is with what they do. You've also heard of Bruce Biltong, but have you made the move? See, this is what I like about Biltong. It's not crazy expensive. It's healthy. It works really well for you. It's like the type of thing the Cowboys will like. It, it's that that deliciousness that's going to perform for you, and you get it at a bargain deal because you get 15% off. The Cowboys would love the fact that they can get Bruce Biltong for 15% off. They'd sit there and be like, my God, you can get something this savory, this tender, this delicious, and it's 15% off? Sign them. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that, man. It's succulent, savory. It's juicy even. Uh, for an air-dried meat, man, that's incredible. Um, the sliced biltongs high rock, bro. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It is. Zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. It's bruised biltong. It's like beef jerky, but it's a traditional South African air-dried meat. You can check them out online at bruisebiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. We are the only podcast they've ever worked with. That's how much they enjoy what we do. It's how much we enjoy biltong. So check them out online at bruisebiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order. Also, of course, Jam Session made possible by JR, his guys, and the fantastic team that he has assembled right there at Freeway Tire Shop. Just north of downtown Dallas, as we tell you, pretty much on every version of every podcast we've done, JR has been with us the whole way, man. And the reason why we trust him, he knows that our audience is going to put their faith and trust in what he does. And perhaps none more so than Jacques himself, who... I mean, it seems like at least once a month, you've got, JR's got his hands on one of your cars. Dude, I was doing my taxes this weekend. The amount of money I've put in JR. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, man. <laughs> once, once it got all tallied up this year, I was just like, wow. But uh, that's it's four digits easy. Uh, actually, it's almost five. But it's, it's, a, it's a good situation for me, man, because I trust the dude. I trust him to diagnose the problems with my cars. I trust him to use quality parts to fix the cars so I don't have to go back in a year for the same deal. I promise you, man, I trust him to give me a fair price. So maybe there'd have been a lot more had it gone to another place. And I trust him to stand behind his work, man. He's great at doing that. Uh, there's nothing bad about JR. It's all good. He's consistent, and he's terrific. He is indeed, and he is easy to locate. Again, just north of downtown Dallas. If you've ever driven in or out of downtown on 35, you've seen his shop. I mean, it's you literally see it right off the interstate there. It's on the northbound side of 35. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can find him online where you can request a quote or schedule an appointment at freewaytireshop.com. So check him out. So let's take this trip around the block. I, I was curious because I came across this article, and apparently Tiger Woods... They auctioned off the set of irons that he originally used when he won what was known as the Tiger Slam, where he won four consecutive majors 
just not in the same season. He won three, I believe it was, in in 2000, and then another one in 2001 for four consecutive majors. The irons that he used for that four in a row, the Titleist 681T, they sold them at auction for $5.1 million. The previous record for any golf memorabilia at auction was a green jacket won by Horton Smith, which sold 10 years ago for $682,000. So Tiger bested that by about $4.5 million. That's unbelievable, bro. For a set of irons that you're probably never going to use. Well, certainly, you're never going to use them. I was wondering what you do with them. I mean, I guess you have them on display at your crib, and when people come by, you go, hey, these are the irons Tiger used. Yeah, I guess so, right? And, and, and there must be something, or you, you have them, do you build like a little shrine, like in the entryway of your house? With it? It's got like a, a whenever the door, act, act like a motion-activated light or something that comes on, and maybe a little video of Tiger showing him with some of the great shots he used making these irons. People are like, what the hell is this? You're like, oh, that's the $5 million with- I spent on Tiger's irons. Shoot, I think I go with hologram. You got enough if you got five million to spend uh on the irons then you can put a hologram together well that'd be pretty sweet i mean if you have the ability to invest that much in it i would agree go for the hologram but i was i was curious if money wasn't an option is there a piece of sports memorabilia that you would go after you know i'm not a sports memorabilia person so I'm, I was sitting here thinking, if there's wood, I'd probably like um, Hank Aaron's bat from 715. That'd be cool. But by the way, the anniversary of that was two days ago. Oh, see, it's slipped. April 8th. I'd probably like that. That'd be cool. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe the ball from the uh, from Ohio State's 2014 National Championship. One Zeke scored the break, breaking. Uh, uh, you know what? I'd rather have the ball from the 85 run through the heart of the South against Alabama. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fair enough. Well, you know, I say it like that because there's a T-shirt out there with the play diagram, and, they sit, and it's yeah. titled 85 yards through the heart of the South. Uh, I'd like that ball, but I'm just not a sports memorabilia guy. Maybe Tony Dorsett's helmet from the 99-yard run. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton of it. I mean, actually, I, I only have, come to think of it, I have, well, I, I guess I have a little bit of, of stuff. I have, I'm trying to think, I have. I, I have that master's flag. Yeah, I have that master's flag that was from Billy Casper, who won the master's in 1970. I have, I, I don't know, I've never seen that dude play golf. Couldn't really tell you anything about him, but for whatever reason, and I might have told this story before. I was at a silent auction. I saw that master's flag in this really nice frame, and the the opening bid was 50 bucks. And I was like, oh, holy crap, 50 bucks for that? That'd be cool. So I just wrote my name down. <laughs> Nobody else bid on it, so I got it for $50. No, I think you paid 10000 for it. No, I didn't. It was 50 bucks. trust mm-hmm. me. No, I think the people need to know that you pay. It's just us, bro. It's 10000 Oh, you pay it is. Yeah, I, so I actually ended up paying. I was thinking of a different piece of memorabilia that yeah, I got yeah, for 50 yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that master's flag I got for $10,000. <laughs> but I will tell you this. You know, it takes up. It, it's in a really beautiful frame. It's a beautiful. It's an official flag, I believe, from the 18th hole of the master's. 
And if you want it, you know, email me. I will let it go. I'll it's I'll give it to you for what I paid. I'll give it to you for an easy 10. You know what? For tax purposes, so neither of us have to worry about that. How about we make it nine thousand dollars? <laughs> what a bargain. So just I shoot me it. an email, Matt at jamsessionpodcast.com. And for nine thousand dollars, you can have a Billy Casper autographed master's flag from the course at Augusta, which is pretty cool. I have a Ryan Sandberg autographed baseball that my parents got me when I was a little kid because Ryan Sandberg was my favorite baseball player at the time. And they won, they got that ball at an auction that they went to at some point. So I've got that. I'm trying to think what else I have. Oh, I have this from when Texas won the national title in 2005. They had, this is, this be, you know, and again, none of my teams have won anything since 2011 when the Mavs last won. So it's not like I had a lot that I have invested in because I would basically probably only buy stuff from championship winning teams that I care about. Makes sense. But one of the things that I do have is seeing that like some of the stuff I have is just so bizarrely random. I have a Vince Young bobblehead that I bought off of eBay years ago after they won the national championship. And it's just, it's not autographed or anything. I just thought it was cool. And it's, it's like a, probably about a, a 12 inch bobblehead of him. And he's got like a replica of the national championship ring that he's standing next to. That's a big old bobblehead. Yeah. And I don't even know why I did that. I also have an autographed helmet, like a mini helmet. And I mean a mini helmet with the Texas Longhorns, it's a Texas Longhorns mini helmet that was autographed, and it says 2005 national champ, hook em, and it was autographed by Michael Griffin, who was a safety on that 2005 national championship team, ended up being drafted in the first round by, I believe, Tennessee, as I recall, and he was in the league for, man, maybe a decade. All right. No, so I like I've that. got that. I like that. I've got a, a Coke bottle from when the Stars won the championship in 1999. So that Coke bottle is 23 years old. <laughs> and I'm always afraid, like, what if it breaks open and it's just gone? Like, somebody said, like, somebody said once, what if I opened that and drank it? I was like, one, you'd probably throw up all over yourself. And two, I wouldn't care as long as the bottle wasn't broken. Yeah, it's been fermented by now, so it's, it's it's even more of liquid sugar than it's ever been. Yeah, but outside of that, man, like, I'm kind of like you. I don't have a ton of sports memorabilia. I always thought it might be cool if I had the space to have, you know, and money wasn't an option. I wouldn't mind, like, a game-worn jersey or an autographed jersey. Like, back in the day, like, I, I have a Witten jersey, but it's obviously not game-worn. Some, somebody gave it to me as a gift years ago. So outside of that, I don't know. Like, I thought, like, the, the puck that Hull scored the 99 cup-winning goal with, that'd be cool to have that puck. You know, you put well, it on display. Nice. Like, here's the cup-winning puck that Brett Hull scored with. You know, maybe, a, a, like, a baseball from Nolan Ryan, no-hitter or something like that. Um, I'm not name-dropping him, but I was at Dion's house one time, one summer, and he had a indoor basketball court in his house, and he had the jerseys. The whole full uniform is what I should say, yeah. framed from each of the teams they had played with, from Florida State to the Yankees to the Cowboys to the Reds to the Giants to the 49ers. That's, that's pretty cool. cool. That would be cool. I, that would be – I mean, it's, but that's his jerseys, you know. That, that's right. his own thing. And, you know, that's the thing, like, I've no, – I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would – 
I'm sure there's something out there. I mean, I, I tend to be more, if there has been a championship one, I like to buy a, like a trinket or a couple of things that kind of signify the team versus an individual player more often than not. I might get you on that, bro. I'm down with that. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't spend $5 million on a set of irons that I was never going to use. Maybe yeah. I would just use them. I just go out there and use them. People are like, man, you sure are hitting the ball well. <laughs> I'm like, oh, these are Tiger's irons, man. But then people are like, what are you doing using Tiger's irons? I'm like, I didn't spend $5 million just to stare at them. I needed to use them, get some usage out of these things. Maybe maybe some of his game will trans, trans, translate to you. Well, I seriously doubt that, but you never know. And really, that's the moral of the story. You just never know what's going to happen. So this is the week upcoming. Are you in, Do you do anything for Easter? Do you... I don't know, go to church, you have a big Easter family gathering or anything like that, because this is, we're heading into Easter week. It is one week from Sunday. It's coming up. It's April 17th, next Sunday. Typically, uh, typically go to church. Um, typically have some, you know, early brunch with the family. Yeah. Uh, but nothing special. The kids are older now. Um, so, you know, this whole Easter basket thing, Easter egg thing. If he wants to get down like that, I'm sure we'll make it happen in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. My lady friend, uh, some of her family is coming to visit us here in Birmingham next weekend. But the reason why they're coming is, and this is so, it's kind of random, but the USFL, the relaunch of the USFL, it begins next weekend. And all the teams right. are here in Birmingham. And we are all going to go together to the first USFL game next Saturday on April 16th here in Birmingham and her, her dad got tickets and stuff and we're all going like her sister's coming and stuff. So, and I thought, you know what, that'll be cool because why not? It's in Birmingham, go check it out and, and see if the league's going to be worth the crap, which I don't know if it will be or not. I'm kind of curious to see <laughs> if they'll be able to figure out some of the problems that have plagued the other startup leagues that we have seen in the last several years. Dude, I, I don't, I'd love for them to have some success. I don't think that they will. Other than just the initial, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the initial, like, oh, okay, this is cool. Let's check it out. Um, but aside from that, I don't expect them to have any staying power. I don't think, uh, I, can, I, I don't mind being proved wrong, but I, I just don't feel a, a yearning for um, spring football from anonymous dudes. Like, I love football so much I'm willing to watch anybody play it. Now, here's the difference, because somebody be like, oh, but you watch high school football. You don't know those guys. No, but you kind of know the teams and what their identity is and kind of like what they're all about. And it's high school, and so you're not expecting the highest level of football because it's high school. But when you're watching pro football and guys are collecting checks outside of college guys, I don't know, bro. It just, it just don't look the same. It doesn't feel the same, and there's no real allure to it for me. And I haven't been able to really get into any of the spring leagues. Outside of the USFL way back in 84, why? Because it had real players that you'd heard of. Yeah, and that's what I'll be curious. And, and, you know, I'll be interested to see if this league can at least have some guys who catch on into the NFL. And I don't even, they don't have to be stars. But if you can show that you can put a, a guy here or there into the NFL, then maybe there's a region to watch it because it becomes, in a sense, almost like minor league baseball. These are still young guys. They're hungry. But in a lot of cases, they're dudes who have already played in the NFL 
who couldn't hang in the NFL. They couldn't even stay on a practice squad in the NFL. Or they're college players that you kind of knew, but they weren't good enough to ever go to the NFL. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see. Part of it is because it's a Birmingham thing, and I think the local appeal, it's like, like minor league baseball. Minor league baseball is hyper-regionalized, hyper-localized, right. you know, and if you do a lot of things in a city like Birmingham, in an area where there is no pro sports and there's not a lot going on in the spring, I don't know. I'll be curious to see because it's only 10 bucks. The game you can you can go to a game for $10. And I thought, okay, and especially like kids get in free. I mean, the way that they're doing it is it's 10 bucks general admission. If you want like the premium general admission, I think it's 25 bucks and then they have like club seating for 40 bucks, which is still crazy cheap, but you know, the $10 tickets, like if you just want something on a Saturday afternoon and kids get in free, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm kind of curious. I, I feel like it might work this year because all the teams are in Birmingham. And I, I wonder how, as the years go by, if they'll be able to sustain this thing to where it's something that even is, can, can hang around for more than a year or two. I'd love it if it became like a true minor league and so that there were guys you heard of and there were guys you could watch develop and really get better and play a pretty good level of football. But uh, it's just so hard for them to do, man. The, the yeah. equipment, the, the time commitment, the, you know, because football being the ultimate team sport with so many different moving parts, you know, it's, it's hard to get the offenses right because, the, you know, it's just not enough practice time. All of that stuff, bro. Yeah. It would succeed, but it's just such an uphill battle. Yeah, it'd be cool if they could figure out something like, even like the NBA does with the G League, because there's a G League team here in Birmingham now called the squadron, I think is their name. And I, I don't care anything about them, but they're connected, you know, they're, they're connected to the Pelicans and the NBA. And I always thought, you know, it, would there be room for some sort of a league, like a spring league, if it's connected to the NFL, like the Cowboys have a, a team and some of the guys that like their practice squad guys or bottom of the roster guys or whatever, they're like, hey, we want you to go play over here so that you can get more snaps and you can get it's almost like a glorified practice. But that way, you know, you're getting and, and you know, if they had some way to do it like that, then maybe that would work a little better. But I don't know how you could do that in the NFL. Well, see, that was kind of like NFL Europe, but we weren't watching yeah. the games yeah. over there. True. I mean, not like, oh, appointment TV. Let me let me get ready to watch Amsterdam play. that's very true nobody ever did so i don't know they had about as good as it could go because at least the nfl cared about them and was trying to make it successful but something to do and we're going to do it next week and i'll give a full report next sunday when we record our podcast after her family heads back out of town then then i'll give a full report of my because i'll be there i will be there we got decent seats and and i'll give a full report on what the usfl is all about it's a beautiful stadium and, and like i said i think in this area it'll get support but we saw that remember with what was that the aaf that had the dallas team that bob stoops yeah. was coaching and yeah. we saw people would go to the games. I mean, they were pulling in decent crowds for what it was, and even that league couldn't survive. So who knows, man? Nah, it's hard, bro. It's we'll hard. see. That we'll many see. players and equipment and stuff, it's just hard. So the other thing I wanted to get into, and I may have to turn this on now. I was going to watch a little bit of this afternoon because I expected it to, to be more of a coronation. But the Masters, in which Tiger Woods has wrapped up his Masters, he had a god-awful atrocious weekend. He made the cut. He played some really good golf to make the cut. And on Saturday and Sunday, his putter just betrayed him. 
He had his worst back-to-back rounds that he's ever had at Augusta. Consecutive 78s. A plus six in back-to-back days for Tiger Woods. Hell, he had 36 putts on Saturday. I mean, he couldn't putt. He couldn't hit a putt to save his life. And you just kind of wonder, you know, how much of that was him, his discomfort with his body, having not played in a competitive tournament. I couldn't believe the fact that he made the cut and that he was able to complete four rounds. We'll see where he goes from here. But all in all, when when Tiger's not in it, I know a lot of the excitement for people kind of falls away. Well, I had been looking at some highlights and uh, reading some stuff. And said uh, everything I read said he left 18 with a huge smile because for him it was about competing four rounds of golf on that messed up leg and trying to see whether what he could do with it. And I mean, you would think, and I don't, I mean, you would just think that uh, the reason he played so poorly on the back end was fatigue got to him and his body got to him, you know, after two days of uh, of. Um, of playing there, I don't think it's any coincidence. His first, his first round was his best round by far. Oh yeah, because because he was the freshest, and he talked all along about let me see how the how the body responds, how the leg responds to to this walking, and somebody mentioned this, and it's a it's a very good point that uh, you know to read putts well, what have you got to do for him? You squat down, you look at it, you survey it, you see the undulation, and then you go make the putt. Well, if you can't squat comfortably. Uh, that makes it a little harder to do. <laughs> it makes it much more difficult to do, and we saw that. And I think this is one of those things where I'm sure he'll assess this and go back and, and, and watch it and see what he can do moving forward in the future to if he's going to continue and try to play competitive golf to be a little bit more competitive. Because obviously, if he thought he can only go out there and compete for two out of four rounds, he's not going to enter competitions anymore. If that's all he's got and he looks at it and goes, man, I just I just don't have it, he wouldn't have done it unless he thought he could be competitive. He was for two days, and now I think you, you kind of file that away and you learn from it. But Tiger, man, he is going to, of the dudes who made the cut, Tiger is going to end up finishing like in the bottom probably five of guys that actually made the cut. And... Um... You know, I think you, you you congratulate him for that, but you know he's got bigger things coming. I mean, it's Tiger Woods, bro. Yeah, I hope so, man, because it's a lot of fun when, you know, Thursday was awesome. Watching him on Thursday, just being out there. You know, even on Friday, he, he didn't do as well, but still he, he kind of fought against himself to get a 74. But, man, back-to-back 78s, he finishes plus 13. Right now, there are only five golfers who finished worse than Tiger as he is 47th out of the 52 that made the weekend. What's interesting about the Masters is right now, the leaders, one of two guys is winning this thing. Either Cameron Smith or the Dallas native, well, I shouldn't say native, but he grew up in the Dallas area, Scotty Scheffler, who went to Highland Park, graduated from Highland Park High School. He's the Dallas area's own, you know, kind of made his a name for himself and busted his chops starting out originally at Royal Oaks was his golf course. His family moved here, I think, when he was in elementary school, as I remember. But Scotty Scheffler, who put a 67 together on Friday and had a six-shot lead at one point, it got whittled down to four, came into Sunday with a three-shot lead, and as those dudes are playing the third hole here, that lead has been whittled away to one, and I would not be surprised. I mean, th- this now becomes like a match play type thing because they're in the same group. Scheffler and Smith are in the final pairing. 
And now it's just about, okay, I got to win a hole. I am not playing the field. I am playing one guy because nobody else is in a position where they can, I mean, unless they just turn around and start hitting golf balls into the crowd on purpose, nobody's catching them. No, I like that, bro, which is why uh, I like match play, which is why I might turn in as a hit amen corner and, you know, just check it out and see what's happening. Yeah, and, and what an interesting Masters, too, because only eight dudes, and again, we're recording this midday on Sunday, but only eight guys are under par for the tournament right now. I mean, the vast majority, it's tough course, and Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith just playing on a different level than everybody else, and it, it just looks like, you know, Sung J.M., I don't know. He he's five back, and like I said, I mean, five back with sixteen to play, fifteen to play. I mean, you're not. Not only do you have to play crazy well, you have to hope somebody else falls apart. And generally speaking, when two dudes are going head to head like that, they're not falling apart because they're so zoned in on making sure they match what the other guy is doing. Uh, yeah, no, I think so. I, I do have a side question for you. What's up with Brooks Kepka and uh, your boy Deshambro Shambo? I mean, I know they both missed a cut. I mean, did they just have their little feud and their moment, and now they're they're just like no no longer relevant? No, Kepka's still very relevant. I mean, he he had supposedly came into this fully healthy finally, and I, I was surprised. I picked him in a group of golfers that I picked in the station thing we were doing, but uh, I was surprised he didn't make the cut. But who knows? And and Deschambeau to me is a weird dude because he's a guy who could win a major and miss the cut just because of the way his game is. So I don't think that that's colossally surprising. You know, Spieth missed the cut, which he had been playing a lot better from what I understand. And I think it's surprising that he missed the cut. But I don't know. I mean, sometimes you just you wonder guys that are on that level how in two rounds of golf, they just can't figure it out. And, you know, Friday was tough because the weather started to change quite a bit on Friday and they were dealing with a lot of wind. Saturday was a beating. I mean, Saturday in this area and I know out in Georgia, it was chilly. We had a high yesterday here in the Birmingham area of, well, I guess it was on Friday. Our high was 57. Oh. It was cold. It was windy as hell, gusting up to 30. It was whipping you. The wind was cold. It sucked. Dude, it's still March, though. It's, it's going out like a lion, not, not with a Well, wind. it's April. It's April. It's April 10th. Oh. You know what? I guess you're right. It is April. Yeah, Where I did mean, those last 10 days go? I don't know, man, but we're almost halfway through April, dude. Oh, shit. Yeah. I better it, get to work. I mean, it, it was, the lady had an event yesterday for her business, and so we're out there at this spring festival. We had to be set up by 8 in the morning, so we're out there early on. It was freezing cold, and the wind just would not stop. I mean, it was, it was tough, man. Felt like November. <laughs> it did, and it was, we had to keep, we didn't have, like, we had weights to, to weight down the tent. The wind would gust, and I would have to jump up and grab the tent to keep it from blowing away. It sounds like a little too much Dude. work, bro. And all, I'm just saying. All the stuff that she had on racks and whatnot, uh, it, like, they ended up blowing over a couple of times, so I had to run down to this grocery store and buy a bunch of cases of bottled water that we could put on there to use as anchors. To, I mean, it, <laughs> Dude, it, it was every time there was a gust of wind, I was grabbing the tent and she would run over and make sure the racks weren't blowing over. Dude. Unbelievable. Yeah, but I mean, that's just how it is. So again, who knows, but it does look like we are going to have, no matter who wins the Masters, if it's Smith or Scotty Scheffler, 
we will have another first time major winner. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Scheffler, man. He's a Dallas guy. He, he lives in Dallas, plays in Dallas, plays at a variety of different parks. And, and he's a former Longhorn, another dude that came out of Highland Park, 25 years old. My brother, Mark knows him. Obviously he plays at Merido from time to time. And he's the number one golfer in the world and has never finished better than fourth at a major and now has an opportunity to take home his first ever major. And that's one of those dudes that it, you, it would not surprise you to see him win a couple. Same for Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith finished tied for second at Augusta a couple of years ago, but he also has never won a major. 28-year-old dude out of Australia. Oh, yeah. I think the first one's always the most difficult mouth. Is that your Australian accent? <laughs> How could you tell? I don't know, because it sounds like an old English guy. Oh. But we'll take it. We'll work with it. So we'll see. But one of those two guys, congrats on winning the Masters, and, and good for you as they're through three as we finish talking about this, and Scheffler's back to a three-stroke lead. He now has a seven-shot lead over Sung J M and Royer McElroy, who are tied for third. So... Scheffler or Smith is winning it, so let's go. I'm going for the Dallas area guy. Come on, Sheffy. Let's get it done. Is that what they call him probably, Sheffy? I mean, that sounds like it, bro. It sounds like something a golfer would call another golfer, doesn't it? Exactly. Who's that? Oh, uh, you know, Sheffy on, on three. Sheffy. Yeah. Sheffy's on three. It's one of those guys. <laughs> oh, I tell you this, though. If you are looking for something elite, much like Augusta, have you been to bluestarmotorgroup.com yet? If you haven't, you should ask yourself exactly why. Because Blue Star Motor Group, they're always getting in new things in their inventory. Bluestarmotorgroup.com. Local, family-owned, Deb and her husband, Mike, I'm telling you, they will work with you to find you a vehicle to get you a deal. 817-881-4066. 817-881-4066. Go to their website right now, man, because if you are one of our listeners who does really, really well in life, they've got all kinds of cars that, and toys for you. If you are one of your listeners like me who needs something a little bit more affordable, they've got something for you that's on there and everything in between. So check out what they've got because Blue Star Motor Group, man, they've always got something incredible. Dude, the, the list of cars that they got is fantastic, man. And again, that's what I like about them. One, they got cars for every budget. And two, as I like to say, if, if they're all about making the deal get done, that's what Deb's great at. There's no middle person she's got to answer to. She can make a deal happen. But more importantly, man, she wants you happy after the deal. You know, when the handshakes are done, the contract is signed, everybody's smiling. Everybody can't wait to say, oh, I got this great deal, man. Who'd you get it from? Oh, Blue Star Motor Group. I worked with mm -hmm. Deb. I worked with Mike. It was fantastic. That's what they look forward to. That's, how, that's why they rock, man. Yeah, again, a lot of people look in the summer buying a vehicle. And if that's you and you're doing it this year, include them in your process. You will not be disappointed. You need to make sure you include Blue Star Motor Group when you're talking about your car buying options because they are going to work with you. A lot of the times you're going to get a better deal because they have such low overhead and they're going to make it happen. And make sure you let them know that you heard about them on Jam Session. They'll get you taken care of. I'll tell you this, if you're a truck person, they've got a 2019 Chevrolet Silverado 1500, less than 67,000 miles, Less than $33,000 on their website right Bro. now. Can you say winning? That's I know. Winning. I saw that and I was like, man, that's... I've never owned a truck and sometimes I get curious to own a truck. 
I mean, a Jeep is what I really want, but I sometimes, like, my next vehicle I'm hoping will either be a truck or a Jeep. Really? Yeah, I like doing different things. I don't know. And I've never had a truck, and I've always thought it'd be cool. I like, when I had my Jeep, I like, and, and by the way, Blue Star Motor Group has a couple Jeeps on their website right now, too. But when I had my Jeep, I loved that I could drive it anywhere. Like, if I got stuck in traffic and I needed to get to the service road, I mean, I would just drive off the road because in a Jeep, you can off-road like crazy. And I don't, I, there was just something to, I'd drive through mud. I didn't care. You know, I wasn't worried about, oh, am I, am I going to get stuck? I, I don't know. And I love that I could take off the doors and the roof and just roll like that all the time. And the Jeep is like my spirit animal of vehicles. Dude, I get it. I get it, bro. I love it. And I love like Jeep people. Whenever you own a Jeep and you're driving down the road and you see another Jeep, you always wave to the other Jeep person. And it's just like <laughs> something, you know, like every Jeep person does it. It's crazy, man. I don't know. But I've never owned a truck, and I always thought it would be interesting to own a truck because you kind of have, like, the power, and it's bigger. You can throw stuff in the back. You know, you can haul stuff around. Not that I do that a lot, but if I needed to. I mean, it really just depends on uh, – I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Uh, just how big the truck is, though, bro. I mean, right now, it seems like every truck you see is like the F-250. It's just a massive truck. I think a lot of it is, you know, as I talk about business again – you know, if you're a personal person with a business and you buy a vehicle weighs more than 6,000 pounds, you get a tax write-off. Yeah. Well, those trucks weigh more than that. And so I think that's why we're seeing much more of them around. But a friend of mine's got one, and I drove it uh, a few months ago. Dude, it felt like I was driving a yacht. I mean, I couldn't even yeah, enjoy the yeah, drive because it was so big. I can see that. And some of them are really big like that. But I have a buddy who has a truck, and I drove it briefly for some reason in the last few months. And I was like, okay, you know, they've got that power. They've got, I, I, don't, I don't know. I was like, I might, but I've never had a truck. I'm more used to, like my last car before I had my wreck and it was totaled was a Ford Fusion that I loved. And I've had a couple of Ford Fusions. I, I had a, a, like an old Toyota Camry at one point that was okay. I didn't really like that car very much. My Jeep Wrangler was my favorite vehicle I ever had. I'd be totally cool with a Jeep for the rest of my life. So... That's probably what I will go for next time I need one. But we'll see. You can find them all at Blue Star Motor <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this just turned into a car conversation. Yes. Yes. Back to the original point. Yes. All of that is available at Blue Star Motor Group. They do have all that. That yeah, was funny. <laughs> uh, nothing like going off on a tangent when you're talking about one of your sponsors. So, yes, Blue Star Motor Group, Deb and Mike, they're great. Whether your passion is a truck or a sedan or a Jeep, they've got it at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Also, of course, Aaron and his guys over there at HFX Foundation Solutions. Again, this is that time of the year when it rains. It is especially, it's weird how it works in Texas where it won't rain for forever and then it'll rain and it's like the sky's not raining. It's just dumping water on you. And you'll Dude. get, you're like, oh my God, it hadn't rained in like 30 something days and we just got five inches and then there's flooding. And if you notice that your property's not draining correctly, that can screw up your foundation. And no, that's why man. you need HFX Foundation Solutions. Well, we always tell you, but have, give Aaron and his crew a call and let them just give your house the once over. It costs you nothing to have your house get the once over. And the once over is all about peace of mind, man. It's the reason why we call it colonoscopy for your house. They check everything with the foundation because the last thing you want in Texas with this weird soil we have here is foundation problems, bro. And if you can fix those or get those before they get started, 
Uh, whatever you have to pay, if you have to pay anything to get it done, it's a fraction of what the cost is if you catch it later. Yeah, man, no doubt. And, and Aaron and his guys, it's a free, no obligation inspection. They'll come out and they may even offer some suggestions. They may be like, hey, because they do handle drainage, they do gutter installations as well. It may be something where they go, look, you need to let us come out here and do some gutters for you. And that'll actually help in different ways with your property drainage, your soil washout and stuff. But give them a call. It's easy to do. 817-770-0174. Local, family-owned. 817-770-0174. Or find them online at hfxfoundation.com. Again, it's a free, it's a no-obligation inspection to have them come out. Chances are you'll get a no-problem letter, and he'll just give you some tips to keep everything going well. But if you have a problem, they'll catch it for you early on. Those Texas Rangers, man, they have opened the season. They are playing the team that I picked to make it to the World Series and win the American League in the Toronto Blue Jays. And I don't know that it's a surprise to anybody, but Texas lost their first two games of the season. This is a lineup that's going to put up some runs. And as we record this on Sunday afternoon, they have gone bonkers in the fourth inning. They scored six runs. They're up nine to six on Toronto right now. But this is a team that, again, and they've run into this in both the first and second game. They went out and got a pitcher. They went out and invested a lot in the lineup. They did nothing for the bullpen. And that bullpen, when teams get to the bullpen, the Rangers start having problems. And and I don't know that that's going to be rectified at any point this season. They are henceforth and forevermore referred to as the gasoline men uh, because they've been getting torched in the first two games. I mean, Rangers up 7-0, I think, in the fourth or fifth inning i just figured okay yeah. seven nothing yeah you got to shut down first inning so you maintain the seven nothing you get once there's a line all right this wrap they're one and oh how about this and i find out they lose that one and then yesterday they lost another one run game uh they're going to be entertaining but this is like this is gonna be like the beer league softball rangers yep Pretty much. And it was unfortunate because they were up 7 nothing on opening day. And then Toronto put up three in the bottom of the fourth, and that was it for John Gray. And then here comes the bullpen, and oh, there you go. King gives up a couple of runs. Santana gave up a run. Holland gives up a run. And they ended up giving up, over the next four innings, 10 runs. They lost 10-8 to eight on opening day. The bullpen blew it for them again when they lost 4-3 to three the second game. And who knows? With the bullpen going this afternoon, are they actually going to be able to get out of Toronto with a win? I have no idea. But Simeon and Seagerman with Garver at catcher, I mean, those dudes can mash. We're getting what we're supposed to get from those guys, at least so far. The one thing that is exciting and has nothing to do at the professional level, Jack Leiter made his pro debut at AA Frisco yesterday, and he only pitched three innings. He struck out yeah. seven of the 12 dudes he faced, and his stuff was nasty. Yeah, he was hitting 97 miles an hour on a fastball with movement. Hey, man, future's bright. Future's bright. Uh, apparently, they got big arms in rotation at AA and AAA. Now, here's the deal. There's no need to rush those guys, man. No. Let Lighter dominate AA. You know, if he can do that, then move him to AAA. But until those guys dominate, just leave them where they are, man, and let them get experience, let them get innings. Uh, you know, and and wait until there's proper time when they're ready to succeed at the big league level. Well, and with Jack Leiter and Cole Wynn, who is pitching at AAA to open up this season, they've got two guys that they believe can be 
elite level, like a one-two punch in the rotation with hopefully somebody like, you know, maybe in the future it's John Gray if he's still around here or a Dane Dunning who I think can have like a Derek Holland type career where he's really a three. But it, it gives them some options and there is a lot of hope with those two guys. Again, Jack Leiter, who's at Frisco right now in double-A and Cole Wynn, who is starting the season at triple-A, man, and those dudes can flat-out ball. And depending on where you look, they're both in the top 50 of prospects in Major League Baseball for the Rangers, which is an organization that coming in, Baseball America, had them ranked 24th in farm system talent going into 2021. They are now ranked ninth. Their farm system is ninth in just one year from Baseball America, which is pretty badass. And then you throw in Josh Young, who's also another top 50 prospect, but he had that shoulder thing and, and ended up having surgery. Dude, uh, yeah, that, but see, that's why you don't have to rush them. Just give those guys a chance to be succeed because when you get them here, you don't want them ever going back to the minors. No, you don't. So once you get them here, make sure that they're ready and poised for success. Uh, even if they've, and what you actually hope for is even if they've had some adversity at the AA or AAA level, work through that and then, you know, got to the part where they're dominant. Yeah, I hope so, man. But I'm excited about it. And I, I watched some of the video of Jack Leiter that was put out there. And I mean, he's just got, it's hard not to get excited. And at the same time, being a Ranger fan my entire life, it's hard not to be like, okay. I want to really, really believe in you, but the Rangers have never had a homegrown pitcher who has really been elite, like we mentioned the other day, unless you want to consider a Kevin Brown who did a lot of his best stuff in a different team, or you Darvish. I mean, but he didn't come up through the Rangers system. So I don't know, man. And I went back and looked at this because I was curious. And this, right, is, this right. is wild. God, I'm almost – this must be, what, the last 15-game winner as a homegrown starter or something? No, no, no. It, it's, so we all know the Rangers have never had a Cy Young Award winner. This is their 50th season. So in 49 years, they've never had a Cy Young Award winner. How many pitchers do you think they've ever had in 49 years of being the Texas Rangers that even finished in the top five of Cy Young voting? Oh, okay. See, that's a legitimate question there. <laughs> I'm just going to guess – Ever, I'm going to. Uh, I'm just guessing. Top five I, I guess of Cy Young voting. I would, starting pitchers or just pitchers? Just pitchers. It, 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 whatever. Okay, because I'm going. I'm going to say Fergie Jenkins. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Jim Kern one year. Was I right? Yes. Did the big Emu get in there? See, that's good. Yep. Those are actually the, uh, their, their first two that were top five were Fergie Jenkins and Jim Kern. Uh, did Kenny Rogers make it one year? No. Okay, now we got a problem. <laughs> Did Kevin Brown make it one year? Not in the top five, no. Oh, you know what? Maybe C.J. Wilson made it one year. Not top five. Now, to to be fair, uh, what to about you, what about what about Feliz one year? No. Okay, shit. <laughs> See, C.J. Wilson got votes, and so did Kenny Rogers, but they weren't even. They were like eighth in the voting. Like, not that many pitchers have even won games. Like. And they haven't had that many. Oh, I didn't say Nolan. Did Nolan reach it one year? He did. 1993, he was top five. Okay. I meant to say Nolan, like, when I was rattling off those first three. <laughs> okay, how, fine. Fair enough. How many, how many more are out there? There's two more. Well, the three. Will I, will I guess them? I'd be – one was very, very recent. The other one, there's no way you'll guess them. Doc Medich. <laughs> no, God. <laughs> okay. that, that was my wild card guess. 
Oh, Jeff Russell. Jeff Russell. No, but I loved Jeff Russell back in the 80s, but no, no. <laughs> All right, well, All right, fuck you and your loaded list. No, okay, so okay. so the, the ones that finished in the top five in 2020, Lance Lynn. Who, Damn, I should have known that. Yes, he finished in the top five. Aaron Seeley in 1999. Remember him back in the late 90s? I, re- I remember him, but you're right. I would never Yeah, you would never guess that, that one. And so, Even though okay. I remember him well. So Lance Lynn, Aaron Seeley, Nolan Ryan in 93, Jim Kern in 1979. All four of them finished fifth, like exactly fifth in the Cy Young Award voting. So if you want to talk fourth or higher, only twice in franchise history have the Rangers had a pitcher in 49 years worth. Only twice have they had a pitcher finish top four in the Cy Young Award voting. One of those you mentioned... Fergie Jenkins in 1974, and then the other one we talked about, you Darvish, who finished second to Max Scherzer in 2013. Yeah. Oh, uh, and how about this for how about this for trivia? Fergie Jenkins finished second in 1974 to Catfish Hunter. He is the only Rangers pitcher ever to receive a first place vote in the Cy Young Award race. And it took 25 dubs to get that. You <laughs> Darvish, none of those other guys got a first place vote. Fergie Jenkins is the only one ever. And so, man, when, uh, when I started looking at that, I was like, oh, like, no wonder the history of this franchise. You don't even have a guy in the last, what, 40-some-odd years that has gotten a first-place vote. Not winning it, not finishing second. Nobody even thought they were worthy of winning the award. Nope. But you know what's interesting is, for as long as you can ever remember the Rangers, what have you called them? You've called them an offensive team. Well, that's true, yeah. And so it's much to me, it's much like the Cowboys. They're an offensive team, just like the Ravens are a defensive team. And, you know, the Ravens' best players have always been on defense. Uh, Even Tampa Bay really has turned into a defensive franchise where their best players in history, for the most part, are on defense. And so we can laugh and say, like, geez, at no point did you ever come through with a guy? It seemed like one guy in 50 years would just show up and be great. But when so much of your emphasis has always been on offense, maybe we shouldn't be all that surprised. Yeah, and that's why there's hope, and there's so much hope. And I, another thing that I really like about Jack Leiter is the fact that you look at where he comes from, his father who won a World Series, his father who pitched in the majors for a long time, who I think can help him with some of the expectations that come with being this high level of a prospect. And we have seen in recent years a almost like a surge of these former major leaguers kids who are coming into the majors and who are, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr., hands down, right now better than his dad ever was. Vladimir right. Guerrero Jr., also on a path as good as Vladimir Guerrero was, Guerrero Jr.'s got better tools than his dad did. Bo Bichette, Dante Bichette's kid, who also plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, Kyle Drabeck, Doug Drabeck's kid. There's so many of these dudes that have had kids that have gone to that level, and it feels like a lot of them have really had some good success, which it, it feels like is laying out a positive path forward for Jack. No, it's, you know, the thing about it is, and you'll see this with just about every athlete's kids, just depends on how much of it. It's just that, um, you know, they, when you grow up around a game, so much is nuanced to you. So much is just uh, you soaked it up yeah. uh, into your body that you don't even realize that you're just around it so much. It's second nature to you. And uh, that's part of the reason why they succeed and, and excel, because they have so much of that 
uh, that they've just uh, soaked up over the years. So it's exciting, man. I, I was just absolutely stoked to see those great results. And, and again, the Rangers, they've, I think in their history, they've only had like the, the, the first or second pick, I think like three times, maybe four times. And you look right. at how failed David Clyde was. Jeff Burrow's offense won an MVP in the 70s. And then I'm trying to remember the other dude was some guy who I, I don't think ever did anything, flamed out with the Rangers and eventually like had a decent year with another team. But this is their chance, man. And they've got a lot of good youth in the system now that bodes well for the future. And it's led by him. And he wears my favorite number, number 22. And whenever he gets with the Rangers at the big level, I, I may have to invest in a number 22 jersey. Yeah, go get it. I will, but I won't buy it from America because you can order it overseas and it's way cheaper. <laughs> just a pro tip, man. I got I got the one that I have, my baby blue Rangers that I got that has a I, I just put Rodriguez on the back, Pudge number seven. I got it for like twenty eight dollars. Took me six weeks to get it, but it's a hell of a lot better than paying one hundred and fifty bucks at a pro shop here in Texas or you America. You're rocking that on Twitter the other day. I you? was with all those guys I work with in their different uniforms, which is one of the. The wild things about living in Birmingham is the pro sports affiliations are all over the map. Yeah, because there ain't no team to cheer for. I know. I mean, Damien, the one dude in our picture, had a, is a Cincinnati Reds fan. I'm like, Cincinnati? They haven't done anything since 1990. That's got to be tough. God, at least the Rangers are, have done something in, in recent years. <laughs> yeah. And he was the Just only the guy I could talk time. crap to. <laughs> hey, well, at least you had somebody. He had nobody. I know, man. I was like, you know. And then the other two dudes that work at the station, one's a Braves fan. They just won the, the World Series. The other is a Cardinals fan who will never, like, I swear, I show up in my Rangers jersey, and he's like, uh-oh, don't drop this. And he throws something to me. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks, dude. <laughs> and then the Yankees fan, who that's one of the guys that helps out with my show directly. He's a freaking Yankees fan. Dude, how whack is that? Although I, I did, I would not let it go. I was like, how weird is it for you that I'm the Rangers fan? I might be the only Texas Rangers fan in Birmingham, and I root for a team that has made the World Series twice since the last time your team made it. Oh, my. Because the Yankees haven't been to the World Series since 2009. Ha! Dude, that's incredible. I know. Really? Good. I hope they never go again. <laughs> the only the way... The, tried the only way... I hope the Yankees win the World Series is if they're playing the Astros in the ALCS. Okay, I feel you. Then I will be hoping the Yankees advance to the World Series. Outside of that, root for the other team. And I hope that the Astros go 0 and 162 and I hope that the Yankees go 6 and 156 with all six of their wins coming against the Astros when they play. I love the passion. I really, really. And that's what I hope for. Enjoy your week. We will have Todd Archer with us as we move into Easter week, halfway through April. And next week coming up, we'll only be two weeks away from the draft. So we'll see what Arch has for us. But enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. 
Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.